0: Good morning. It is good to be here. Uh, On several counts, it's good to be here. Uh, Now, if we were still back in Isla Vista, I probably would have said this morning, well, it was a quiet night in Isla Vista, my hometown. And that wouldn't have quite been true. It's good to be here in a temple that isn't in the middle of a war zone a temple where we can be at peace. It's good to be here. Centuries before the time of Christ, back to the days of King Solomon, the ancient Hebrews would make a pilgrimage up to the Holy City. And on the road to Jerusalem, as they made what was a long uphill climb, they would sing together psalms Psalms that reflected the great joy of what it was that they were headed toward. And these psalms came to be called the Psalms of Ascent. And even as they would pass by foreboding places, like the hill of Golgotha, the place of the skull, they knew somehow that the joy of the beauty of the temple of God was waiting for them just a little further up, just a little further in, waited the joy of the temple of God. On that same road in today's Gospel, as the disciples of Jesus pass by Golgotha, they do not climb the path with such a clear sense of purpose and joy. Their hearts and their minds, like many of ours, are a bit mixed up. They thought they were headed for a triumph and for the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. They had seen their Jesus walk on the water, feed the multitudes, give sight to the blind, raise the dead son of a widow. Yet the Lord stuns them when he pulls them aside and he tells them bluntly that he is about to be mocked scourged, spit upon, delivered to the Gentiles, and killed. And while he did go on to say that he would rise from the dead after three days, as they were walking on the road to Jerusalem that day, they may have passed by one of the crucifixions that the Romans did so often on that road. They might have passed by and seen a brutal picture of the humiliation that their Lord was about to predict. Yet as the Lord's announcement to them didn't seem to quite sink in, maybe they weren't listening. James and John the Beloved, whom Jesus had earlier called the Sons of Thunder, came to him and nervously asked, for permission to sit on the thrones beside him in the kingdom. Now, those seats are already taken. She has one of them, and he has the other. The patience and the graciousness of Jesus in this moment are remarkable. He gently says to them, You do not know what you ask. His reply is gracious, like when he asks for the forgiveness of his executioners a few days hence as he hangs on the cross and he says, they do not know what they do. Such is the Lord's patience with each one of us at all times, not just in extreme moments, but at all times. He forgives our sin done in knowledge and our sin done when we are just plain clueless. Do we, like the disciples, not see the significance of this journey that we are making today and where we are headed? The road that they and we are on does not lead to thrones or riches or authority to lord it over those someday who don't believe like we do. In the kingdom will we be lords who dispense as if we are the pagan kings of old? No. The road that the disciples are on and the road that we are on leads to humility, to service and sacrifice that is in the shadow of the cross of Christ. Our models in this effort are not the kings and queens of this world. And our models are certainly not the frivolous celebrities of our popular culture. Whatever they may promote is not what we seek. Our saints, our heroes, our models in this life are servants and martyrs those who laid down their lives and when they laid them down found what they were given life for in the first place. When they laid it down they found what it was that they sought. Today the, the church in her wisdom sets before us the repentance and the humility of St. Mary of Egypt. Her life her passions in her youth were out of control from when she was a teenager. Then one day she stood in front of an icon of the Theotokos. And then she was blessed to touch a relic of the Holy Cross. And then she passed over the Jordan into the desert. And there she lived out the rest of her days repenting and working on the beautiful image of God that she had borne in her soul even when she had soiled it. She worked without worry for the perishable body. And like John the Baptist, who she looks like in that icon over there, when you look at her, she looks as if she is one of of his kin, for she is. Like John the Baptist, she did not seek to be recognized or praised by the world. Yet what conversations she must have had with God in the wilderness. And though none of us in the world would even know about her, except for the one conversation in the desert with St. Zosimus, the gaunt image of her remains on most iconostases, in Orthodox churches, and it remains there as an image of the very essence of what it is that we seek in Lent. Can we drink this cup, and can we submit to this baptism insofar as it is there for each of us? We will not perhaps go to the desert, nor live as she did, but What is that for us? What it comes to is this. If we are going to go on to the resurrection, we must become servants. We must humble ourselves. He who wishes to be great must first be a slave. In St. John Chrysostom's homily on this gospel, he said of the Lord's own humbling... Before he humbled himself, only the angels knew him. After he humbled himself, all human nature knew him. Yet see how his humbling did not make him less, but produced countless blessings. So then, St. John makes a short list of what the Lord's humbling himself produced. It is a list we might look at. By his humbling, He erased the curse. He triumphed over death. He opened paradise. He struck down sin. He opened wide the vaults of the sky. He lifted our first fruits into heaven. He drove out error and led back the truth. And he produced countless deeds of virtue. He accomplished so many good deeds that neither I nor all of humanity could set them before you. In words, dare we not humble ourselves when he who created us has so humbled himself? He was willing to condescend, to walk among us, and to be like us. And will we not kneel in confession like St. Mary of Egypt before the holy icon? And dare we not touch the Holy Cross with fear and trembling? If we are to have the resurrection, we must have this baptism first. If we are to burst upward from the water with shouts of joy, then we must, as the old Pentecostals and the old holiness people used to say, we must first, and Father Nicholas will know where this came from, We must first get low. We must first get low. We must get down if we are to rise. And the prize for getting low is great. St. John says again of the Lord, When he humbled himself, he increased his household and extended his kingdom. He who had everything increased his household and extended his kingdom by his humiliation. And Chrysostom concludes, as if he is asking us today, why then are we afraid that we will be less if we humble ourselves? Our gospel was given by one who made himself humble. And if we are to speak effectively to the world, to our neighbors, and not just to our own house, not just to those who agree with us. If we are to be effective in our ministry for the life of the world and for its salvation, then we must do likewise as he did. We must humble ourselves. If we want to make progress on this Lenten road that we are on, then little by little we must get low. It will certainly not be in a flash, but Lent by Lent, confession by confession, as the Lord grants grace. But in this labor, take courage. Remember, it is all of us sinners who he forgives from the cross, and that is to the glory of God. Amen.